0: HD Smartcast You are listening to an HD Smartcast original
1: Hi, I'm Ashutosh Garg I'm the author of the best-selling book The Brand Called You And this is our podcast Be Brand Wise Where I bring you the stories of successful people and brands From around India and around the world Here is a great chance to gain insights into how to build big businesses and what mistakes can and should be avoided. Not only is this podcast the brainchild of the brand called You, it is also an HT Smartcast original and it is available on htsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Today, I have a very, very accomplished lady with me, Dr. Neeru Kumar. Neeru, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Neeru is a medical doctor. She's a trained psychologist. She's a diversity and inclusion consultant. And of course, she's a certified Mars Venus coach. So tell me, you know, about diversity and inclusion.
0: Yes. What kind of work do you do? So I can say that I partner with organizations and their leaders mm-hmm. to transform the mm-hmm culture into a more diverse, more inclusive, more authentic, and thereby naturally more productive environment. And also for individuals, I do a lot of transformational uh, leadership coaching. And when I use the word transform, I don't use it lightly because there's a a connotation to it. It's like T-R-A-N-C-E, transformation, which uh, actually means Breaking down the old paradigms, the whole paradigm and belief structure into what we live in, Mm. challenging the present structure, and then moving towards something which is much bigger. True. Yeah, I'm a founder of the organization called Ask Insights, Mm. which is a diversity and inclusion uh, consulting firm.
1: So tell me, you know, in the current world where there is a lot of diversity, but there is a lot of lacking in inclusion. Yeah. Why is diversity and inclusion so important?
0: Hmm. So, you know, whenever I do any kind of a session, I always say to the group in front of me that it's not only about the organization, it is the organizational cause is very, very important, but it's also about an individual growth. And I tell the people in front of me, I said, this could be perhaps the most important session of your life hmm. because the lucky organizational agenda, it's actually a huge individual agenda where you actually stretch your mind hmm. We all know today that IQ is not limited to what you were born with. The mind, there's a difference between the brain and the mind. And IQ can literally be increased by stretching the mind, right? And I think one of the best ways of doing that is by being with diverse people. Otherwise, you're in the same circle with the same churning of thoughts and ideas. Mm. But when all those come together, the canvas becomes so much more richer, Mm. But inclusion is a totally different story. Mm-hmm. So you welcome diversity. Organizations welcome diversity. Right. If you and I were asked, we'll say we welcome diversity. Yeah. But Then we have a huge unconscious mind of 88%, okay. which has been conditioned by our lenses, layers and yes, legacies. Yes, absolutely. And therefore, we despite wanting to, we're not able to be as inclusive as we would like to be. And all our blind spots and all our old patterns just keep turning up again mm-hmm. and again. I don't think it's anybody's really fault. But I think there is a whole unconscious machinery at mm-hmm. work there, mm-hmm. which needs expertise to be able to manage to making people the way they want to be inclusive. So I think everybody wants to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. There are only a few group of people who do it from a conscious level of being non inclusive. Correct. Okay. Right.
1: Correct.
0: Because as individuals, the greatest thing we're all searching for ourselves is belonging. I agree. Yeah. I
1: agree. And
0: and I think we're ready to give that mm-hmm. if anybody is questioned, but it takes a lot of hard work. Okay. And a lot
1: of introspection and soul-searching to be able to say, I need to be inclusive if I want to be included.
0: Tremendously. Mm-hmm. And then that would mean taking out time from your bandwidth. Mm-hmm. To take out the time to practice those things, understand those things, mm-hmm. and then being able to do it. Yes. I agree. Yes.
1: So, you know, 28 years as a medical doctor <laughs> and a psychologist. Yes. How has these two skills helped you in uh, developing your coaching practice?
0: Yes, so mind-body medicine, which is so well talked about. I think it's the biggest reality of existence, actually, that our mind completely affects our body and our body completely affects our mind. And when I'm talking to individuals in simple language, which they can understand, when I bring that knowledge to the forefront and I talk to them about how there's a master pituitary gland there, which controls all your hormones, and then the stress hormones, which are there in today's corporate world, So you're running on adrenaline and cortisol and how they are going to affect your sugar level, how they're going to affect your hormonal level is something when you show them the entire cycle, Mm -hmm. it's an aha moment for them and they really understand that, you know. And as far as psychology is concerned, I think when we talk about unconscious biases, Till a person has an in-depth knowledge of what is the unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Just reading it from somewhere and speaking it out, I think will not equip you mm-hmm. to to one cause that transformation, which I was talking about. See, I'm also a hypnotherapy teacher. Wow. I'm also an NLP master practitioner. Incredible. So I have actually learned NLP from the founder of NLP, Dr. Richard Bandler. Mm-hmm. So I use a lot of those techniques and that's how you can with, of course, with the consent of the person Mm -hmm. that you're doing it with, that they would like that transformation. And then that learning becomes so permanent, Ashutosh, that it's so gratifying for me that when I meet people six years, seven years later, after they've done a training program with me, they say the learning is still there, so active in our Mm -hmm. minds. And that's a very fulfilling experience, but you need a deep knowledge of the unconscious mind in that. So I do something called the Whole Being Woman Leadership Mm Programme. That program is actually a culmination of all my years of experience in medical science, in psychology, in NLP, in diversity. Because I do something which I call the Spear model, Mm -hmm. which is the spiritual, the physical, the emotional and the business acumen. Mm -hmm. And now is the relationship, Mm -hmm. health of a woman. Mm -hmm. And unless, because a woman has so many aspects to her, unless they get integrated Mm -hmm. into and aligned, till then their planets are going to be scattered all over the place. And then I tell them that there are three or four basic ingredients which are required to just align them together. And then I say that the spear is not a destructive one. It's a very constructive one which hits the bull to make you not only successful, but happily successful. Very interesting. Yeah. So, very interesting. so that's where the culmination of all those skills, and it becomes very fulfilling for me that none of those areas are detached from each other. So Another interesting place I do yeah. that is the gender work which I do where men and women are different. Mm-hmm. And you were talking to me about Mars Venus, where Dr. John Gray actually discovered that, before science discovered it, that the brains of men and women are different. different. So when I bring that knowledge with the brain science element, I, I cannot even tell you how well received that is. Imagine. imagine, imagine. Because people are trying to decode gender relationships mm-hmm. all the time. And when they see a scientific basis to it, they're actually thrilled at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, (laughs) So, you know, you do a lot of
1: training and you've trained over 20,000 people. Yes. What kind of challenges, if it's not confidential, what kind of challenges do you encounter with such a large number of people, especially when it comes to the brain or coaching or behavior patterns? Yes.
0: So, you know, as you know, diversity and inclusion was uh, largely gender in India. So, I can humbly say perhaps I'm the person who brought the concept of diversity and inclusion to India. Hmm. There was nobody else doing it at that time. This was about 13 years back. And at that time, it was largely gender. But I had the good fortune to be associated with and have partnerships with a lot of thought leaders around mm. the world. Mm. And there they were talking about much other, many other aspects of diversity. So, you know, I have uh, tried to bring in newer concepts to India at each step when people were ready for it. But however... In the beginning, it was, it was a tougher battle than it is today. It was considered just as a soft skill. And when you would walk into, say, a classroom or even with leaders, when you would walk in, they would consider, is there a need? Is there a need to do it? Yep. People were very set in their patterns at that time. It's, it's changing dramatically mm-hmm. now. And now we're talking about much bigger aspects of diversity. However, having, having said that, I think this is one subject where the mindset resistances will always be there, Mm -hmm. where people will feel insecure about moving out of the comfort zone and changing into a behavior which Mm -hmm. is new to them, the inclusive behavior. And that at times brings up challenges of people saying, are you going to take away our opportunities by inviting, let's say, more women? Men will say that. Mm -hmm. Or or they would even fear the social structure, where they would say that if you're inviting many more women into the workplace, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen to families? Correct. And then there is the all new spaces of the LGBTQ and all which will take a long time for the old beliefs to dismantle. So those are those are some of the resistances which one faces, but one also enjoys steering people towards a much more different different paradigm. That is true.
1: And you know, I do believe that a lot of these biases which have been there, say for people of my generation, have completely disappeared in the millennials of today. What are your thoughts?
0: I think it just keeps changing form. Okay.
1: Do they still exist?
0: They do. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That's
1: something new for me. Okay.
0: Yeah. Though I feel, yes, technology and globalization and knowledge Mm. has really brought the millennial mindset into perhaps more inclusive in some ways, but it changes color, Mm. like I said. Mm. So, for example, for the LGBTQ, Mm. sexual orientation, the millennials are very open to that. Correct. Gender still remains an issue, by the way. Really? Because what you have seen with your parents in your previous generations is not going to go away that fast. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen your mother in a certain role, then you, what you see in the current women is not going to be so fast. But newer concepts like LGBTQ mm-hmm. or, or even disability is easier for them to accept I see. than gender. Okay. So often they tell me when I go into a classroom, these are very young people. I don't think they'll have any problem with gender. And when we start talking the same beliefs do surface up again. Mm -hmm. So at a much more subtle level than an award award level of the previous year. And someone
1: trained like you probably is able to pick it up much better.
0: Yes, and Mm -hmm. I I think I'm blessed with being able to form rapport with people that people start speaking by themselves. (laughs) (laughs) So that happens. Mm -hmm. But then there are other forms of, I think there's a huge generational bias which occurs in the millennials versus the the exes and the baby boomers. Exes are their uh, managers, and baby boomers are their parents. Mm-hmm. So that kind of bias, I think, is is something still to be that is true. addressed.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about coaching. Yes. You know, traditionally, coaching in our country, in our country, or mentoring—they're different. I know was done either in a family business by an elder, correct, or in the corporate world by someone mm-hmm. your boss just seemed to have taken a liking place. Yes. And yet, coaching is. Something which is now getting much more acceptable. Oh, yes. So, my question to you is that, who should look for a coach?
0: Okay. So, you know, interestingly, when I started doing this work and I said I'm a Mars Venus coach, Mm -hmm. again, there was nobody doing it at that time. Mm -hmm. And people would ask me, how is Mars Venus related to sports? Mm -hmm. Because coaching was only sports. sports. (laughs) And then I had to tell them all about this and then they thought it was therapy Mm -hmm. and it is not therapy either. Mm -hmm. So... When you say, "Who needs a coach?" well, I have a coach. I coach thousands and thousands of people, leaders, but I have a coach for myself. Yep. Yeah And I think having a coach is sheer luxury. Mm-hmm. It's a necessity as well as a luxury, because in today's absolutely fast-paced world, where you're really t- trying to make sense of everything, where knowledge is infinite, mm-hmm. how to apply that knowledge to your context. What is relevant? Sometimes you get overwhelmed. Sometimes you get carried away. Sometimes you get insecure. Okay. That's the time because you're emotionally attached to the work you're doing. Mm. You may have a very high level of intellect, but you're not able to sift out that knowledge and experience to fit it into in a more objective way, into your context, to have your goals clear in front of you right. and have someone showing you the light. Mm. The walk is, of course, yours, mm. but then you need someone to show you the light. Then. The coach does just that. Correct. And what
1: goes into selecting a good coach?
0: So, I think basically three ingredients. The coach must have a knowledge. So, I think everybody seeks. For me, I say I get really stimulated by someone who can give me new knowledge in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, everybody seeks to learn something which they didn't know before. Right? So, the knowledge part. Then is the rapport, the ability to build a rapport with your coaching. It's so important. The third is empathy and good listening. So, if your coach is not able to listen to you, understand you, get into your shoes, rather than speaking from their own paradigm and is always trying to lead you into a place which you're not even comfortable with, then that won't do. Okay. So, the good listening and the empathy part is so critical. Right, And then after that, together, you're able to respectfully form an alliance where you can together brainstorm into a more objective way and and have new knowledge. The coach might bring a wealth of knowledge from all the other coaches the person does. All of that is very critical. Also, the coach must be ready to be able to say, I don't know this. Or, okay, I goofed it up here. This doesn't fit what you're looking for. So, okay, let's re-look at it. I agree. Yeah.
1: If I have a coach, how do I evaluate that my coach is good?
0: Yeah. So, we all do the internet searching. We all see the credentials, the degrees, and the years of experience, and the client list. We all see that. I think after that, the first session itself is a breakthrough. So, when you go and meet a person in the first session, you get a sense of that comfort and that rapport. Usually, might take two, but usually the first session with all the coachings that I do, I think I'm able to establish that rapport with my coachy in the first session itself. And when that first session happens, then the coachy immediately senses senses that rapport, that empathy, that joint work which is being done mm-hmm. and is ready to then move on to a larger relationship. So, there's a lot of instinctive in gut feeling mm-hmm. and unconscious mind mm-hmm. because rapport is always from one unconscious mind to the other. Correct. So, if both the coach and the coachee are feeling that, then the journey ahead becomes like, yes, of course, we are doing it. <laughs> very nice. Very nice answer.
1: So, let's move to a question I ask a lot of people, which is on gender balance. Yes. We did speak about a little earlier, but that was more on diversity. You know, in India, gender balance over the last seven, eight years is getting to be much more accepted. Mm. But a lot of women I have spoken to on my show mm. say that we still have a long way to go. Oh, yes. What are your thoughts?
0: Ah, That's a, such a deep subject for me, you know, mm. because I do a lot of uh, women programs with women leaders. Mm. Currently, we are in the process of doing... Um, Programs where six to seven organizations have partnered together Mm -hmm. for their women leaders to come and they even get cross-mentored by leaders of the other organizations. One of them is called Reach Out Mm -hmm. and it's with organizations like PepsiCo, Microsoft, the Tatas, PwC, American Express, Mm -hmm. RB. Mm -hmm. These six organizations have joined hands and it's an eight-month journey where we are Designing and managing their entire journey, yeah. and I'm a coach to them so myself in that journey. Okay. And there are similar projects running with a lot of organizations, like the Tata Group and many others. So, and these women, I find they are they're very intense people, and I think Indian women today are also very ambitious. I agree. They have, because of the hardships, also acquired tremendous skills. That's correct. However, there is a past, mm. and that past, if not addressed. If not managed. And there is a difference. I think two things which really impact. One is the past, specifically in a country like India, where they have encountered biases right from childhood and in workplace. Yes, definitely, still is there. So if that is pushed under the carpet, we are not going to be able to make much progress. The second thing is the difference between men and women. The the emotional fabric of a woman is completely different from that of a man. Right? And somehow, unfortunately, in many places, including by women themselves, sometimes that's seen as a negative. I think it's a huge positive, but it's seen as a negative. And then in the process, what happens is that women to st- get accepted, start covering. Mm-hmm. We use the term covering largely for LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. and I think women cover a lot too. Mm-hmm. So some, what does cover means. So cover means that you try to minimize. Your identity, identity, okay? your identity, your identity, okay. not even your vulnerability, your entire identity mm. to be accepted by the majority. So people of minority or people who are marginalized would try to cover their identity or underplay it so that they are accepted. I see. Right. So, I mean, I have a disability, as you know, and I think in my entire childhood, I was always forced to fit in and I would try to pretend and do all the things which others would do. Mm which was a huge uphill task, right. Yep. right? So I think women today are also trying to hide their identity or cover their identity by saying that it's not about gender. And when I, I'm pained when I hear people, women say it's not about gender. Yes, it is about gender because that's your identity, Correct. Right? Yes. Correct. And when we are covering the identity, which is now science knows that men and women are different, mm-hmm. then it goes against your total body structure. And there again, the mind body comes in yep. where the whole hormones, I think, get really disturbed. Diseases like PCOD, polycystic ovarian disease, are so much on the rise today because the hormonal balance of women is in a turmoil. Mm. So I think women leadership and gender today, we've, we've made progress, but it's just moving in directions which are still very challenging for men and women to be able to accept the differences and the identity of themselves and of the other gender will still take a lot of expertise and a lot of time. And I guess,
1: as you said earlier, there are so many legacy processes that have been there in our families, in our Absolutely. Uh, society. I guess it will take time.
0: It will, it will. And sometimes women being on an overdrive to prove and succeed now, despite all the resistances, is also causing them to you know, lose the work-life balance, mm. lose their own... Me time, yep. their own space yep. and the emotional fabric is then getting further disturbed.
1: I feel Amazing. So Neeru, thank you very much. What a pleasure it has been to speak to you. And Absolutely. Thank you for Same
0: for me also, Ashutosh. Yep. It's been thank lovely. You.
1: And wish you lots of success.
0: Thank you so much. I
1: hope your 20,000 goes to 200.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'd like to do that. Yes. I'd like to keep working till the last day of my life. i assure you <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Brand Called You and never miss any update. For feedback, reach us on at HTSmartcast. We are present on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts by The Brand Called You, log on to www.htsmartcast.com or Suno Nazari Nazariyase.